morning I'm going to share a, a message with you that I was going to share with our leaders at our leaders' lunch. And I woke up this morning at uh, 5 o'clock and sensed God was saying, I want you to share this with the church. And so the leaders are going to get, the, I'll share the first half of the message with you as the church and the second half I'll share at our leaders' lunch. And uh, I just had a, a sense in my heart to talk about a culture of loyalty and um, we pledge allegiance to the Lamb. And just sensing, God was saying, Vanessa, this is for the church. This is Anzac weekend. This is something that's a, a memorial in our nation and something that's well worth us as Anzacs, the Australians and the New Zealanders together, part of the uh, British Commonwealth. Uh, it's worth us celebrating, and we'll have a look in the Word in just a moment and see that God was a God that said, remember. He's a God of remembrance, and he wants his people to be a people of remembrance, remembering where we've come from, remembering what God has done for us, remembering our forefathers. And as we remember, it will stir up loyalty within us. It stirs up loyalty when we remember those that have gone before us. And, and so it is an, it's an important aspect of our, 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 our natural life as well as our spiritual life to be able to remember and, and to be able to remember those who have gone before us. Young men, beautiful, 16, 15, 16, 17-year-olds, giving their lives for us. I mean, gosh, when I think about it, we were just, um, we took Pastor Bernie and Nan through um, the museum um, uh, as we were coming through the nation and uh, just seeing these young boys, the pictures of these boys, um, and thinking, God, my only prayer is that they were born again. Um, because they gave their lives. They were your grandfathers, great-grandfathers, um, and some of them didn't come back. And so it's good for us to remember, praise the Lord. And so with that, I want to just let's pray and believe that God wants to, to, to share this with you this morning. And so this is a, a prophetic word for us, um, I believe, as a church, as an individual, and even as a, a responsibility that we have as the church to pray for our nation and to speak well of her, to speak well of this people. God has a man, he has a man, he's a plan for this nation. And we are part of that plan. And God wants us to be in unity together. And he can command the blessing on a nation as we walk in unity, as we walk in oneness. That goes for the nation, that goes for a church, that goes for a marriage, a family. And so um, I just believe, Heavenly Father, God, as we just open your word this morning, Lord God, that you have some things that you want to say to us. And, and we're open, Lord God, to be shifted in our thinking. We're open, Lord, to have you test our heart and to try us to see if there's anything in us that needs to be changed because we want to walk on that path everlasting. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, to use your word as a sword, as an arrow, Lord God, to even pierce our heart, Lord God, that so that we would even rise to another level and pledge our allegiance to the Lamb, that you are the King of kings, you're the Lord of lords. And Lord God, as we walk in loyalty before one another in our church, in our nation, with our pastors, Father, in the things that you've called us to do, we thank you that we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day and give an account of our loyalty to you. And so, Father, we thank you that this is important. And so we just receive that word in Jesus' name. Amen. 
And so the Anzac weekend, did anybody, has anyone been to a service or you've seen it on the news? I woke up this morning and the alarm woke up and it was the, reading the news, 2,000 people uh, were, um, you know, were put on a ballot to attend, I believe, uh, the Anzac service um, over in Turkey. And so, uh, wow. This is a marvellous time. So if, you, if I cry, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not sorry, but I'm just, um, yeah. So an opportunity to share on loyalty. Uh, and loyalty is, a, is, a, is, a, is an old word. It goes back to the beginning when God asked for his creation to be loyal. And um, Lucifer messed up and became disloyal. And so we have the mess that we have and, with this, and the death and destruction because one being rose up and instead of being loyal to his creator, he became disloyal and caused a whole dissension right throughout the heavens. And uh, it came on and um, destroyed the earth. And hence our Savior came as a loyal servant to redeem us back to our God. And so loyalty is huge. It's part of who God is. It's part of the kingdom of God. And so we want to remember and see what that is and just have a look at this and have a look in the Bible. And so why teach on loyalty? Well, the Holy Spirit. And uh, forgive me if I read my outline. I, I wasn't really prepped, as, as I sort of said, to share this with you uh, this morning. I was more going to be teaching our leaders. And so let's just see how the Holy Ghost goes with that. Oh, and just incidentally, i just give you a wonderful report on when we were in Fongaray, went up there last weekend, and we had an absolute amazing service. Uh, the pastor, Pastor Carol and, and Pastor Dave, said that they haven't seen anything like this in all the years they've been at Rhema. We had an amazing revival time. We didn't get out of there till 10.30 at night. There was being about 30, at least 40 people that had, had deliverances. We had manifestations happening all over the, over the place of people getting, devils being cast out of people. And, and, and Pastor Dave says, Pastor Vanessa, I've never seen this. I haven't seen this. And again, it was quite good because devils were manifesting and people were going, oh my gosh, they are real. <laughs> you know. And not only that, my thrill was that the spirit of travail, um, um, I sensed to pray for um, people and, and men uh, as I was laying my hands on these people, the spirit of travail, and they were just, oh, like that, and throwing themselves on the ground, just travailing in the spirit. And so how wonderful that God is putting his spirit of travail on men to travail in the spirit. The old time revivalist, if you read after Finney and Carey and Father Nash, the travail of their soul as they cried out in prayer for their towns and their cities and their nations and revival came forth. Loyal men that gave themselves, men and women that gave themselves to, for their nation. I think Father Carey, he died at 50, and they said of him, if you read up about him, the travail that he carried for, his, for the towns and the cities, he said he would go up into the forest and he would travail and cry out with the burden of the Lord for salvation. And uh, he, he actually died early at 50, and they believe it was just because he was carrying the burden of travail and prayer for these people. And they said you could hear him crying and the screams in the forest all the way down through the town could hear it, him crying out for their salvation. Wow. God's visiting the church again. He wants to visit the church all the time. And, and it's us being open to what God wants us to do and being open to the Holy Spirit and being open to say, God, I, I want to be a loyal servant of yours. I will give my life up for you. You gave your life for me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. God says, I've looked for intercessors to stand in the gap, to make up the hedge. 
And so that's who we are. And so we had just a wonderful weekend. And so I actually asked them to write a report, which I think I will actually start doing, because I think it's good. You know how Western Carrier would read reports of things that have happened? I've had Facebook messages come through from people uh, already that have just come in and just said, you don't know what this has done, to, done for me. Women that have been abused and sexually abused and all kinds of stuff, and God just supernaturally visited them. And one of these ladies said, you just spoke a word of excellence over me. She said, I'd never seen excellence. I've never seen myself as excellent right from a child. She said, a, a devil came into my life. She said, I remember because I saw a vision and I sort of, and she said and she allowed that thing in and it just decimated her life and she said I was lying on the floor after you prayed for me and God was taking me through all of those years all of those years and sealing me with excellence 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 she says and I've been delivered I've been delivered she's gone under violence sexual abuse all kinds of stuff uh, and God and so she Facebooked me says I want to just let you know I've been set free I've never seen myself as an excellent woman so isn't that wonderful? God, God. And so that's for every one of us to be able to get involved with what God's doing. He's come to heal the nations. He's come to heal the people. And so part of our loyalty at the end of the message, you'll see that part of it, loyalty is remembering where we've come from. So when the lost come on in and they're dirty and messed up, that we remember that we were once in that place and someone took time to, to care for us and to teach us and to lift us up. That's all part of the characteristics and the qualities of loyalty. Praise the Lord. Probably need the, 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 uh, the cold air on, Peter. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So let's go. So the Holy Spirit, he flows in an atmosphere of loyalty. Why is loyalty important? Because the Holy, he's loyal. He's a loyal spirit. That's who he is. Loyalty is a requirement of God's people. And you read the Old Testament and you just see God was grieved with the children of Israel, because of their lack of loyalty to him and to his leaders. And so loyalty is a requirement for God's leaders. So there we are, leaders. You've got a, uh, uh, some stuff coming up at lunchtime. Loyalty is a requirement for God's leaders. And so 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Now it is required that those who have been given trust must first, must first be proved faithful. And so, you know, if you're wanting to aspire to anything in the secular world, if you're wanting to aspire to anything in the kingdom, God says here, first of all, to before I, want, I trust you, God says, I want, to, I want to prove to see if you're going to be loyal. Before I trust you with an anointing, before I trust you with my people to care for them, I want to know, are you faithful? Are you loyal? And so God says, I want to prove whether you're going to, whether you're going to, whether you're going to cover my back because God loves his church. He's the great shepherd of the flock. He loves his, his, his flock. He loves his earth. He loves the people he's created. And he wants to know before he entrusts you with anointings, are you going to be faithful with that? Proverbs 20 uh, verse 6 says, Many a man proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy man? And so a lot of people can say, hey, I'm with you. <laughs> but how many know when you're in the trenches, you need people that are going to be with you and stay with you and not bulk and, and run off? And so people can say they're loyal, God says. I mean, this is Proverbs saying. Many men say, hey, I'm loyal. I'm right with you. Um, but who can find a trustworthy man? And so when I read that, I think, Father, here I am. I want to be on the other side of that scripture. I want to be a trustworthy man. I want heaven to know that, hey, Vanessa Schlegel, 
is trustworthy. I want that written in my book up there. And that when I stand before the king of kings and my Lord, that he's going to say, yeah, she was faithful. And faithful, faithfulness is tested. Loyalty will be tested in hard times. And loyalty is not loyalty until it's tested, until it's proved. And uh, anyone can be loyal when the sun's shining. But it's, hey, it's when the storm comes in life. Is loyalty still there? Are we still loyal to the cause of Christ? Are we still loyal to our nation? Are we still loyal to our husband or our wife? Are we still loyal to our children when things aren't going right? Let's face it, we're in a world where we meet challenges all the time. And things just don't work out always how we want them to. But we need to put a line in the stand and say, I've pledged allegiance to the Lamb. I've pledged my allegiance to the Lamb. And everybody else can leave you, Lord, but not me. Jesus said to his disciples, look, they've all gone. Are you going to leave us? Are you going to leave me too? And they said, well, where would we go? You've got the words of life. What is that? Their loyalty was tested. Their loyalty was tested. They passed with flying colors. Well, flying colors, Peter. He was grieved. But hey, that, that positioned them to be the apostles, the 12 apostles. And in eternity, if you read the book of Revelations, there's 12 thrones, the apostles' thrones. Loyalty is really important in our lives. And so let's have a look at the definition of loyalty. It means devotion, constancy, someone that's constant, a person that's just constant, truthful, the quality of being faithful, steadfastness, just steadfast, I'm here. I know that Pastor Stephen, he's just the most uh, amazing person. He just says, Vanessa, I'm here for the long haul. I'm not, not going to shoot up in the sky and be a wonder, a shooting star, and make a, big, uh, make a big display and then not be here. I would prefer to just be steady and just walk in that steady path and just steadily take ground for God and be here. I remember in our young life when we first got married or when before we were married and, and first got married, I was always running away. <laughs> if I couldn't get my own way, I ran away. <laughs> and, and he didn't come after me. Steph, Pastor Stephen never ran after me to say, Vanessa, come back. Please, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I would drive down the road and I'd be driving an hour or two hours. I think I one day got all the way up to halfway up to Tyrua in Auckland and I got there to my sister's batch and I thought, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? And I was frightened at night sleeping by myself. <laughs> so I got in the car and quickly drove through the night all the way back to Wellington. <laughs> Steadfastness. I've learned steadfastness from the Word. I've learned it from looking at Jesus, looking in the, in the Word at the disciples. I've learned steadfastness from my husband, that he is steadfast. It's part of the characteristic of loyalty. In the face, loyalty. In the, so it's steadfastness in the face of, of trouble or difficulty. Again, anybody can say that they're with you. But hey, when trouble comes, when difficulty hits, are they with you? Consecration, consecrating our lives. I love this word, allegiance. There was years ago uh, when we sang the song, I pledge allegiance to the Lamb with all I have and all I am. Pledging allegiance to Him. The commitment of one's life 
to duty or of devotion or, or devoted attachment to someone or something. I mean, that's what our boys did in the Anzacs. They weren't, they weren't happy to be in those trenches with the mud, with the cold, with, 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 with the guns going off, no food, no shelter. They, were, they committed, this is the commitment of one's life to duty. They were doing that for us. For people they didn't even know. A generation yet to come. And they gave up their life. They could have stayed here and been a conscientious objector. New Zealand would have frowned on them if they had done that. I'm objecting. I'm not going to agree and be loyal to my, to my nation. No, no, they didn't do that. They would rather have died and given their life and been known as a man of loyalty. Another definition of loyalty, it says, the feeling or devotion that one holds for one's country, a creed, a family, friends, etc. And so the kingdom of God is built on loyalty. Absolutely. This is who we are. This is who we are as a family, as a church family, as, as, as the children of the living God. We are. We are built on loyalty. Our nation was built on loyalty. The Reformation nations, have a look at them all the way through. They fought for the freedom that we have today. And so we are loyal to our nation. This is my land. Somebody, somebody gave their life so I could be here and I could walk through streets and not be abused and not be hijacked and not be killed or shot. I can leave my car on the side of the street and know that thieves won't come and steal it. And bombs won't go off. And abuse won't happen. Our men have given their lives for that. And so our nation is built on loyalty. And so we see loyalty right throughout the Bible. And so we also see disloyalty. You have a look at Satan, as I said. Satan destroyed God's paradise with disloyalty. You have a look at example, and you read in, 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 the, in the book of Kings, and you can see Absalom, David's son, disloyal to his father, sitting at the gates, and rather than let the people come to, 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 to their king, King David, he sat at the gates and started to be disloyal towards his father and say, can, your fa can my father answer you? Can my father help you? Come to me. And you see it grieved David. He said, oh, my son, Absalom. Because eventually his, his end was, 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 was death. He hung himself riding through um, a pass and his long hair. He was very good looking. And oftentimes people, you know, that can be disloyal have got a, have, have got a demeanor and can, can a, you know, people can look up to them and look out for them. And so because of his long hair and his good looks, his long hair actually ended up hanging as he went through a tree and got caught on the tree and the horse carried on and he got hung, he was hung. And so examples, when I think of loyalty, I think of people like Moses, I think of Joshua, Caleb, Mordecai, I think of Esther and Ruth, all, these, all of our champions that have gone before us in the word. Loyal people. David and his, and his loyalty to Saul, how about that? Loyalty does not mean that I'm going to be loyal just to a good king. Uh, Saul was a, a king that had just become just absolutely consumed with jealousy over a young man who had slain Goliath and who was absolutely the epitome of loyalty. This young man, David, absolutely adored his king. 
But because you see what had happened is he came back from a battle and all of the women started to sing. Uh, and David was good looking. He was a wonderful young man. And they started to say, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has ten thousands. What did that do? That stirred jealousy. And it was potential that the people rah, rah, you know, lifting you up. And, 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 and church, this is, this is the case. That when it says here, let a, a man first be, be trusted and let him first be tested before we trust him with authority. You know, when you get in ministry and you get into a place of authority, do you know people are going to idolize you? People are going to lift you up? That's a test. What do you do with that test? Do you point them to the king? Yes, that's what we do. And so they were lifting up David. And David didn't want that glory. He wanted the glory to go to his king. But you see, King Saul had heard that. And he thought, oh, they're saying, I've only killed my thousands, and David's killed his ten thousands. And so what happened was, 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 was King Saul became consumed was wanting to kill and destroy David and spent the rest of his, his reign hunt, trying to hunt down this young man and trying to kill him. And you'll see time and time again as you read through the story that David said, King Saul, I don't want to kill you. I'm not after you. I want to serve you. Please allow me to be loyal to you. And so we see an incredible testimony of loyalty with King David or with, with David. We also see a, 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 uh, an example of loyalty with Jonathan, who was King Saul's son. And we see that sometimes loyalty can cost you relationships. When uh, Jonathan was, was, was in the presence of his father, and his father was again consumed with anger against David, and Jonathan and David were close friends. They were best friends. They were covenant friends. They were covenant friends, and Jonathan knew by the Spirit he was not to inherit his father's throne. He knew that the throne would not go from his father to him, but was to go from his father to David. He knew that. And he had no problem with that. He was a loyal friend. He was loyal to the call of God that he could see on David to the point where Jonathan turned around and he gave his cloak, his ring, and his sword to David, which represented, I'm giving you my Write my inheritance. I'm giving that to you because I know that God's called you to be the king of our nation. Wow. What loyalty. That was in Jonathan's heart. And Jonathan was in the presence of his father one day and his father again fuming about King David. And, 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 and Jonathan turned around to his father and said, what is it, father, with you? D David only loves you. And, and King Saul was so angry that he took his javelin and threw it at his son to kill him. Because he was so jealous and so angry. And so Jonathan, it cost him his relationships. It cost him his relationships. Loyalty. Interesting. Amazing stories that we've got here. We also see in the book of Hebrew, it gives full testimonies of people that pledged allegiance to the Lamb. Allegiance to their king allegiance to the, pro the priests and the judges that were over their nation at the time. And their, and their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, their names written in the books that will actually one day be uh, opened and we'll all stand before them. So let's have a look at an example of loyalty with David's mighty men. 
You know, David was a, was, was a loyal, devoted subject to King Saul, um, and he showed steadfastness. And what, what, is that, what was the definition here? He was steadfast even in the face of difficulty. He had consecrated himself to his king, and he was not going to be moved in his heart from loving his king, even though his king was trying to kill him. Wow. Get a hold of that. I have my rights. I mean, you see the abuse. You see what he's doing to me. Should I not now stand up and, and, and fight against my king? No, he didn't do that. And you read the story of twice when David had the opportunity to kill King Saul. Remember, King Saul was, 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 um, went to alleviate himself in, in a cave one day, and all of the mighty and, and the men of David, David, David's mighty men, and David was, was in that cave. And they could have totally wiped him out. And David turned around and he um, just cut off his garment, a, a piece of his garment. And then when David had left, he, he shouted out down the hill and said, King David, stop believing the lies of your people that are saying that I'm after to kill you. I could have killed you right here and right now. But look, here is to prove to you that I'm not after you. I want to serve you. He did that twice. And so we find that that was in David's heart. And David's mighty men that joined him, they learned loyalty from their man of God. And so let's have a look here and read in 1 Samuel 22, um, 1-2. It says, Now David left Gath, and he escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and his father's house, and he was, on, he, was on, he, was, he, was, he was being hunted down, as we said, by Saul. It says, and when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, uh, they went down uh, to, to him there. All those who were in distress, all those in debt or discontented, gathered around him, and he became their commander, about 400 men. Now, this was potential dynamite. You think of all the people that were running from Saul, were running because they had been abused, they'd been used, they had contention, all those who were distressed, all those in debt, all the discontented of the land had gathered around him and became his commander, about 400 men with him. So now they were looking to this commander. They were looking to David. They knew that David was in distress. They knew that David was also being hunted down. And they looked to him as their leader, and they wanted to know where their leader was going to point them. Were we going to raise up and we're going to rise up and have an insurrection against the king and take over? Is that what David's going to do? Or are we going to walk another way? And we see here that they join David and they're known and, 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 and are, and are um, titled in the Bible as David's mighty men. David's mighty men. How did they become mighty men when they were distressed and dent, in debt and discontented? Well, they saw their leader... They saw loyalty in a man. They saw someone that chose to walk in loyalty, and they took on the spirit of their leader. And so David had 30 men, top men that he depended on for everything. He trained these men in loyalty, and then he knew that he could trust them in everything that, they, that he did. He could leave things to them. Let's have a look. It's number eight. So he said that they patterned themselves after David, and they walked in his ways. David's mighty men... They'd come to him in that place, but they, as I sort of said, they saw 
something different. They saw a different spirit in him. And they became like him. And he would not allow these men to walk in a different spirit. He didn't allow it. They fought battles for David. Each one of these men was a, was a champion. And this is interesting. But they remembered the cave and they swore their allegiance to the one who had raised them up. You look at this here in 1 Samuel 23, 8 to 12. It says, and this is from the Bible, it says here, these are the names of David's mighty warriors. Jo Josheb was the chief of the three, and so he had 300, then he had his 30, and then he had his three. A little bit like Jesus had his three. He had, this, he had the multitude, he had the 70, he had the 12, and Jesus had the three. And so he labels them here. And you just, just, just look at the, 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 the power that these young men operated in. It says here that Josheb was the chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. <laughs> I mean, we're talking. I mean, you look at, you know, the gladiator type, type movies. I mean, I, you know, all of this kind of stuff you can just sort of see. One man taking down 800? I'd say he's a mighty man. We have a look at the next one, was Eliezer, it says here. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when, uh, when they taunted the Philistines, gathered at Paz, whatever, battle. It says here, then the Israelites entreated, uh, um, sort of entreated, but Eliezer um, stood his ground and struck down the Philistines um, till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. Okay, so the Israelites retreated. That's disloyalty. When you're in the middle of battle and you're fighting and the soldiers retreat and you're left there, what is that? That's disloyalty. The Israelites belonged to King Saul and they were part of his army. And they perhaps had learned disloyalty from their king. Whereas we find the mighty men They'd seen their leader who was loyal and they stayed in the battle. And so it says, Eliezer stood on his ground and he struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned uh, to Eliezer, um, but only to strip the dead. And so we find here this man was prepared to fight for his king beyond, I guess you could call, the call of duty. His sword what does it say? Froze into his hand. He just didn't let that go until everyone was down and they were able to pick up the spoils of all the, all the dead. The next to him was, was Shammah. When the Philistines banded together uh, at the next place um, where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. <laughs> Again, disloyalty. But Shammah took a stand in the middle of the field he defended it, one man, and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought great victory. Wow. God just needs one loyal person, and he can take down every devil in a nation. If we just put our hand up and say, hey, Father, here I am. I'm going to practice loyalty. If everybody else in the nation leaves, if everybody else leaves, I will be here. I am not leaving. You know, the shepherd doesn't leave the flock. Goats leave. But the shepherds don't leave the flock. Why? Because God has put a spirit of loyalty on a shepherd. 
and others will leave a church, but the shepherd doesn't leave. He can't leave. There's an anointing and a grace on them to stay there for the sheep. Where do they get that from? The great shepherd. And so you see one man, the whole of the Israeli troops, left, get out of here. The Philistines are about to come upon us. And one man says, no, I can't leave. I've got to stand. And so they went, they went, um, they took great sacrifices to serve their leader. You look at this, look at the loyalty here. And then look at David's response, the great sacrifice of these young men. It says, they devoted to um, their devotion to David, their leader, went above and beyond duty. And 1 Samuel 23, 13, during the harvest times, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Agilim, while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. It says there, David longed for water and said, oh, and so here we are, they're in battle. And he's laughing back and saying, oh, my goodness. Oh, he said, oh, he said, oh, that someone would get me a drink from the water, from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So he was just kind of flippantly making a comment. It was hot. He was tired. And he's going, oh, my goodness me. I remember that water, that fresh water. Oh, that somebody would get that for me. And so look what the boys do. It says, and so the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem and carried it back to David. Wow. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord and said, far be it from me, Lord, to do this. He said, is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. What a story. Peter Jackson, come on. Do something with this. The loyalty of the men was birthed out of the loyalty of their leader. He would not drink that water. They loved him so much that they were prepared to risk their lives and go get water for their leader. It wasn't a necessity. They had water. It may not have just tasted as good. It may have been muddy. Who knows? But what do the, the boys do? And so the three warriors took off and got this for them. And David looks and says, you boys risked your life for me to do that. I can't drink it. And poured it before the Lord as an offering and said, I'm not doing that, Father. These are my men. Wow. You know, as, as pastors and leaders in the church, to love God's flock like that, as, 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 as the flock of God, to love the pastors and the church like that, and then collectively for us to love our King, who is the Lord of hosts, like that, that whatever He wants us to do, I will do it, above and beyond duty for you, Father above and beyond duty for you, Lord Jesus. You are worthy of me giving my life. You are worthy. It doesn't matter if everyone else leaves you, Father. I am here and I'll continue to worship you and do what you've called me to do. That's the heart we're talking about here. I mean, I love this stuff. This is bedtime stories for me. <laughs> David's mighty men refused to take the honor for themselves. This is interesting. They refused to take the honor. 
David's mighty men came back from battle with great victories. Time and time again, you can see one man. 800 men. But every time when you see that they came back, instead of the glory going to them, they would bring David up and say, here. They called David to come and receive the honor for the victories. Wow. Pretty awesome. You see, God knows all that. The spirit realm sees all of that. You know, when we do and have great victories, and, and, and if I'm talking to some of our young leaders coming up, on up, and as we start to launch you out, and you start casting out devils and healing the sick, and start to move in the miraculous, there's a test there. There's a test there. To, oh, look at me. Where's that? That's pride and arrogance and disloyalty. Remember where you've come from. And if we're all walking in that atmosphere of loyalty, nothing is impossible for us that we imagine to do together. The people are one, are one accord. There's one that we lift up, and his name is Jesus Christ. And yet, in saying that, he is the head, and he's given fivefold ministry gifts in the church, the apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher. Why? They're, they're his representatives on earth. And God says to give honor to whom honor is due. And so it is our right for us to honor our pastor, Pastor Stephen. It's a right for us to do that. God says that. God says that the man who labors in the word is worthy of double honor. Double honor. That's how God feels about it. What is that? Some people, well, I'm not going to give him double honor. What is that? That's a spirit of disloyalty. And if that's allowed to grow, Paul said it's like a cancer. If you read in the letters to the church, he says, get that out of the church. He said, that's like a cancer and that will grow. When the word says the man is worth double honor. And so when our pastor comes back, double honor. And so we want to shift our church culture and shift it to another level because God wants to do miraculous things through you, through us in our, in our day, and it's going to come from a spirit of loyalty that's on the house, a culture of loyalty. And we get that from reading the fathers of the faith and see these magnificent stories. And so they gave honor to him. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite impacted when I go to, when, when we've gone to South Africa and with Dr. Theo Warmerins and the magnificent things that they are doing for God right throughout the, well, right throughout the continent of Africa and moving into Europe and, and America. And it's interesting how every single one of the men that get up, and we're talking some of these men are, are incredibly wealthy. I think I gave a testimony to you several years ago. One of the men that stood up and he was taking up the ties and he, and he said, if you drive down this street and you go 10 kilometers this way and you go 10 kilometers that way, he said, everything that you see on either side, all of that land is mine. He's, he would be coming up for a multi-multi-millionaire if not into the billions. There's two of these men in the, in the organization. And when they get up on stage, they look at their man and they say, we want to honor you, sir. We are where we are because of you. And so we honor the father of the house. And the whole atmosphere in the place is one of honor. It's just very interesting. It's interesting how they say that Dr. Theo is, is pastoring his church from, from uh, America. And so he goes over to South Africa three or four times a year um, to minister. The, the, the boys, the mighty men, they will not let any one of themselves minister more on the pulpit in Johannesburg than their father just as a matter of honor. They all take turns. 
because they don't want anyone to preach on that pulpit more than their father. They've just done that themselves. They say, we want to honor our father, the father of this work, what he has done for all of us. A spirit of honor, a spirit of loyalty in the place, and it's in revival. It's in revival. Anyone want to come with us this, this, this time? Save up and come with us and have a look. You can. You're welcome to. Um, join us and see what's going on there. It's magnificent. And so these, young, these mighty men of, of, of David, they eliminated disloyalty in their midst. And, and that's part of who we are as a church. And, and leaders, I'm going to share with you how you're going to do that at after, after lunch. Praise the Lord. Loyalty costs relationships, like I said. David's loyalty to David. He had to make a choice. And so our relationships count. And relationships are not meaningless. We carry an atmosphere and we carry a spirit with us. And, you know, God's, there's certain things that God doesn't like. You know, when your leaders say certain things and somebody goes, you haven't said anything, but how many know that the face has said a thousand words? And so as leaders, if you see someone going like that, I'd look like this. I would. In fact, there's a scripture it says there. There's a scripture that talks about that. Uh, it talks about when the north, wind, the north wind blows, it says a look can actually shut down criticism. And so, yeah, sometimes if a person gives you a look, it might convict your heart that maybe you've said something or maybe you've done something, you know. Another thing with loyalty, with loyalty is that when the man of God stands up to speak, cell phone's off, God's talking. God's leader's talking. You know, you may think that that message is important, but no, God's message is, is, is what's the most important thing at that time. You know, a minister spends hours, hours praying and preparing a message to get that message right. It's amazing. It takes hours that you're preparing and you're praying and asking God and downloading what God is saying for the people to help God's people. And, and, and if people turn around and are very casual, I personally get actually angry. I think it's righteous anger. Um, I really do. I, sometimes I just feel like going like that. We're not allowed to do that. But um, sometimes I didn't even do that to my children because I wouldn't let them, you know, whatever. But um, when the word is preached, the Old Testament said they all stood up for the word. They stood up. It's the word of God. What is that? That is a spirit of loyalty. And so not allowing ourselves to get distracted. If you're a leader, people are watching you. And if you're a leader, they're watching to see how you're looking. The young ones coming on in are looking at you and you know your life groups and looking to see how you're behaving. And they're looking to see what's acceptable. This is a new culture. They've come out of the culture of the world. They've come into a new culture. And we do things differently here. And the culture that's in the world, they put down their leaders and they criticize and they have opinions and they debate. In the kingdom of God, this is a theocracy. God's at the head and he says everything and we all, we all, we all do as he, he asks us to. He makes a command and we are supposed to obey and not question. That's the, the culture of the kingdom. And that's the culture we've come into. And as leaders and as, and as, and as God's people, we're responsible for that. And so I would encourage you, if you get distracted or in any of those things like that, judge yourself lest you be judged because you disqualify yourself from leadership. 
You see, the beginnings of disloyalty can be seen. And some of those things, are, you know, it look, looks like that. Opinions and comments. The beginnings of loyalty. And when it feels safe to behave like that, then it goes in deeper. And it goes in deeper and deeper. And so we can't do that. The Bible says you prune that off. And Jesus said, I prune those that I love. He said, if, if I don't prune you, you're not mine. And so we allow the Spirit of God to prune us. We allow our pastor to prune us. We allow our leaders to prune us. And if we can't prune you, then you don't actually belong to the house. Is that fair enough? You've got to find someone that, can, that you will submit to who, will, who can prune you. But if you can't be pruned, then you're, not, you're not, not mine, Jesus said. You're not mine. And so loyalty, loyalty, is all, this is all part of the spirit of loyalty here. And so interesting, as you go on to read on all those scriptures that we've read about David, they stayed with David to the end. They were there with him in the beginning, in the cave, and on his deathbed, 1 Samuel 23, which is what we were just reading, the report of these mighty men, they were with him on his deathbed. Wow. My goodness, talk about covenant. They saw him in the, in the good times, the bad, everything. And so loyalty can be seen, that people will be there with you to the end. I mean, obviously, we're not talking about if people are sent off and launched into cities, different cities, different ministries, but there's that spirit there. There's the spirit that you're there. Now, this is number H. They remember where they came from and were grateful. They remembered where they came from. They remembered that they were distressed, in debt, and that they, that they were discontent. They remembered that. And so let's have a look at point number, number five. It says, why do, people, why, why do some leaders and some people become disloyal? Why, why is that? What, what happens in a church? What happens in a nation? What happens even in a marriage? What happens in relationships? Well, the answer's here. People forget. People forget. They become disloyal and unfaithful to God, their church leaders. They forget where they came from. They forget in their marriage. They forget how much they loved each other and what brought them together. And the lovely things about my husband or the wonderful things about my wife that I really love. They forget that. Remembering is incredibly important. Going back and remembering. So God wants us to remember where we came from and to be thankful and grateful. Ungratefulness is this, um, 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 sorry, ungratefulness is the sin of forgetfulness. If you're Feeling ungrateful, you've forgotten some things that you need to bring up. You've got to bring them back up again. Bring them back up again. People forget how they were loved. I'm talking about in the church setting, and again, I was, this message was to our leaders. <laughs> so welcome to the leadership uh, lunch. <laughs> People forget how they've been loved. I mean, goodness me, I think of some of the times, and it doesn't matter, but I mean, I think of some of the people that have, that, that, that have left. I mean, I, there was a lady many, many years ago, probably 25 years ago, and I spent hours with her, hours and hours and hours, praying and casting out devils, hours and hours and hours, and I didn't mind, didn't mind just praying for her. She'd come out of Satanism, and, 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 and you know, just, my goodness me, prayer. 
and just oh, gone. Gone. Doesn't matter. You sow. You sow the seed. And, uh, you know, it's up to them. It's amazing, you know, the heart of a pastor. You know, you just love people. And, and, and I guess young pastors coming on up, they've got to guard their heart because you're going to get hurt in ministry. You get the offences. Jesus said, offences will come. Woe to them who, who brings them. But offences, we're going to get offended in church. We're going to get offended in life. And we just make up our mind. Pastor Stephen says, I'm unoffendable. I learned it off him. If I've tried to tell him about a story, he doesn't want to know. No. We're unoffendable, Vanessa. And so my, my, the way I deal with that now is I just look up, I go, Father. I go, Dad, you know. And I just give it to him as a worship, a little bit like David's water. Father, I'm not drinking that. You know, Father, I am not going to drink bitterness. A wee while ago, a couple of years ago, we had a guy from 30 years ago, all of a sudden, <laughs> an attack came and was starting to write letters to me. And I think, I think Pastor, um, I, I think Peter was guarding me against all these letters that were coming through. And um, bless his heart, just humble myself, just ask, would you forgive me for what I did? I mean, I was only probably a 21-year-old girl, and if I'd made some wrong decisions about praying for you, I'm really sorry. And just, and just forgive, just repent, just ask him, quieten this man down. You know, rather than, no, it's not worth it. You see, Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows your life. And so we're guarding our heart to be grateful people. Un ungratefulness, what will it do? It'll create discontentment and conflict. That's what it does. If we're not grateful for God, for his word, for our church, for our nation, anywhere, in our marriages, if you're not grateful to your husband who goes to work every day to earn an income, to come home, and if he doesn't talk to you when he gets home, don't get offended. The guy's tired. Let him get home and relax and chill out. Remember and be grateful that he's earning an income for you. Stephen says, Vanessa, you don't know what it's like to be the head of a house and be responsible. It all falls on you if things go wrong. You're the head. The toilet's not working. The tap's not working. This is not happening. No. <laughs> Fix it. <laughs> I mean, the man is responsible. We don't know, ladies, what it's like to be at the head of something. And it's being grateful to your husband, being grateful and thanking him. How about thanking him, girls? You know, it's interesting. There was a time when I was starting to get ungrateful towards Stephanie. I mean, can you imagine that? Um, <laughs> and God slapped me and pruned me and said, don't you, I want you to start walking and going for a walk and taking the A, B, C and go right through the alphabet and using every adjective that you can think of to start falling in love with him again and being grateful. And so I would go there, thank you, Father God, that he's, he's absolutely awesome. He's blessed. He's courageous, Father. I thank you that he's diligent. Lord God, that he's excellent. I thank you that he's a faithful. I thank you, Lord God, that he's great. You know, he, Lord God, he's a man of holiness, a man of humility. And you just start doing that and start going for your walks, girls, around the block. And I'll tell you what, by the time you come back, you've fallen in love with him, and he's going to wonder what is going on. Gratefulness. Gratefulness. Praise the Lord. Example of the children of Israel. Moving on quickly. The children of Israel, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, God wanted them to remember. He knew 
What would happen if they forgot what God had done? Let's have a read here, Psalm 78. It says, And how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Why? They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy, when he worked signs uh, in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zone. They didn't remember. And so, guys, let's do this as a church. Let's remember. Let's thank God. Thank God for where you've come from. Thank God for those that have discipled you. Thank God for your, your leaders. Thank God for your church, for your, for your pastor. Thank God for our nation. Thank God for our leaders. John, John Key, just thank God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. God got them to set up memorials. Why were those memorials set up? Stones and rocks and trees were memorials where they lived. Why? So that they would look at those and remember. And so sometimes we need to set up memorials like Anzac Day is a day of memorial. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a celebration and it's a, a remembrance. Well, celebration. It's a remembrance of what has gone before us. Praise the Lord. Can we turn on that, um, the, 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 the cold air? Thank you. So quickly, how are we going? Deuteronomy 6, 11 says, And rejoice, it says here, God got them to set up memorials. It says, And rejoice before the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. You, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites in your towns, the foreigners, the fathers, and the widows living among you. God says you rejoice. Be grateful. And so leaders, I'm asking you in your life groups to help us to train our people to be thankful to get them to rejoice. If things aren't going well, rejoice in the Lord. What does it say? Always. And again, Paul said, I say rejoice. Scripture. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say always. Praise the Lord. Number, number B, remembering helps people to be kind and accommodate others. Deuteronomy, God says to them, Deuteronomy 16, he says, remember that you were slaves. You know, as, 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 as people in the body of Christ, you know, these ones coming on and they haven't got their lives together in debt, distressed, discontent. And I don't want to see in our church anyone that's going, goodness, why can't they get their act together? That's not right. Remember where you were a few years ago. Remember what you've come through. Remember God says, he says here, remember that you were a slave once in Egypt and follow carefully these decrees. And so God says, I want you to remember where you came from. I want us to remember, and that's why you hear me say from time to time that we had absolutely nothing and believe God to where we are today. People need to hear those stories. And you may have heard me speaking about believing God for finances you know, many, many times. Don't get offended if I share it again because there's new people in here that need to hear that so that they can step out and believe God. We need to remember what God has done. We didn't start out where we were. God got us to where we are. And so remembering and reciting those things. Exodus says here, Exodus 23.9, it says, Do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be a foreigner because you were foreigners in Egypt. And so God says, remember 
all of that. In fact, if you read Deuteronomy 26, when they brought the tithes and the offerings before God, God says, I want you, as you do that, to remember that I brought you out. So every time we bring the tithes, it's a time of remembrance, to be grateful. And so finally, remembering keeps us humble. If we share with others the things that God has brought us through, it will help to keep you thankful and it will help you to keep you humble and loyal. Absolutely. You know, um, one of my children was sharing the other day that he was talking to somebody and they were, they were kind of, um, you know, sort of being ungrateful. And, um, and, and, and they said to them, don't you remember what God's done for you? And they were quite taken back and thought, oh, I never thought to remember. I never thought to remember what God has done for me. And so just as we're closing, I just sense that God is speaking into our church. He's, he's speaking to your leadership. Your, your life group leaders, your team leaders are going to hear this message and are going to help us to just let us all go up to another level. I know we have a loyal people here. We are so grateful and so thankful to this church people. We are, we, we are blessed. We've got a wonderful church, a wonderful people, wonderful, loyal people that we have. And we've got more people coming on in. One, person, one family's being added to this church every week. That's our faith. Together, we're believing families coming on in. I see in my spirit a line of people coming on into this house. I just see that in my spirit. And I thank you, Father God. And we're training them to believe in the God who's a God that's loyal to them, God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. What is that? That's a king and a savior that's loyal to who you are. He said, if everybody else leaves you, I will not leave you, God says. You can leave and run away, but he will go after you. He is right there with you. He said, I cannot leave you. He said, I can't break my covenant with you. And so that's the God that, we're, that, that, that we serve. And so let's just... just Pray right now and just thank God. Shall we? What's the time? Let's just have the worship team up just, just for a few minutes and just uh, that last song. Has that, has that helped you this morning? This is our nation. This is this beautiful nation. Let's be loyal to our nation, loyal to our leaders that run this nation, loyal to our police force, when you drive past and you see the police driving past in a car, allow your spirit of loyalty to bless them and curse not, Jesus said. Bless and curse not. God has given us a command to bless. He's commanded us to bless. And so just looking out for areas where you can bless, where you can absolutely release the spirit that's in you to bless in your groups to bless those young ones coming on in that are feeling so distressed. Patient with them. And then obviously what I was just saying, honouring those that labour in the Word. Let's honour our pastor. Let's honour him. And let's protect what we have here. We were celebrating 26 years this year of being in ministry. We have a name amongst the pastors in our city as a strong, stable church. We're having a name that's being known in the council as a strong church. 
the name is going throughout the nation as we are being sent out by God to speak in different towns and churches as a strong church. We're a strong people. We're part of God's mighty men and women. And so, Father, why don't we just stand right now and I'm asking you to just, just before God, to just say, Father God, here I am. Here I am. I'm receiving that spirit of loyalty. I'm pledging my allegiance to you. I'm pledging my allegiance to our nation. I'm pledging our allegiance to our pastor, to our church, to our leaders, to our vision. Father, we want to thank you. And if you, if you want to do that this morning, then I just ask you to just lift up your hands before the Lord. He can see you and he knows your heart. And I, I'm going to pray that prayer. And just allow the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of loyalty, it comes from him. Father, we worship you. We worship you. Thanks, worship team, just bringing that up. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this word. This is an absolute prophetic word over us this morning. Lord God, not just our leaders. You want the whole church to hear your heart. And so we receive right now. We receive your presence. We receive who you are in our spirit. We are one spirit with the Lord. You've given us your spirit of allegiance. You've given us your spirit of loyalty. And so we say, yes, Lord God. Yes, Lord God, yes. We choose to remember where we've come from. Thank you, Lord God, where you've brought us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you, Lord God, that we were no, once were not sons, but now we are sons in glory. We are thankful. Once we didn't have an inheritance, but now, God, you are our inheritance. You are our portion in this life. We thank you for that. We remember, we remember, Father God. Hallelujah. Father, we remember right now our pastor, Pastor Stefan. We thank you for his stability as a leader. We thank you, Lord, for his integrity. We thank you that he is steadfast. We thank you that he is unmovable, unshaken. Lord, that he's not a showman. Lord, he's not out to please man. We thank you that we can look to him and see, Father God, your leader. We thank you, Father God. We praise you, Father God, for this church that you have planted in this city 26 years ago. We thank you for the word that you have given to us. Lord, that we are guardians and custodians over this word. You've given us this word of victory. We thank you, Lord God, that we choose to be loyal to that word, loyal to the calling to preach that word in our nation, to preach that word to your people, Father. We thank you, Lord God, for the mandate on this church, the Bible school. We declare and pledge our allegiance, Lord God, to CFCI, Bible College. We thank you that we will give our life to do whatever it takes to be a blessing to that ministry. Father, we thank you. Lord God, we pledge our allegiance to our leaders in Jesus' name. We pledge allegiance to our marriage, our marriage covenant, to our children. Father, we thank you. We pledge our allegiance even right now, Lord God, to our nation, to our leaders, John Key and his family. 
Lord God, to the National Party. We thank you, Lord God, that's leading our nation right now. We pledge our allegiance to speak well of them. We speak well, well, well of those who are in authority, those who have the rule over us. Hallelujah. 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 We receive right now. We receive right now. Hallelujah. We just put off every weight, every sin, every comment, every behavior that is not of you this morning. We just put off the old man. We put off disloyalty. We put off a double tongue. We put off a double mind in Jesus' mighty name. We put that away from us right now. And Lord, we set our face like a flint, like Jesus, and we will not look back. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord God. Praise you, Father.